It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Corey Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And I am happy to have with me a return guest. He came on to discuss Brandon Staley, who is now actually the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. Worked out well for him because he covers all the L.A. teams. So while he helped us fill in the blanks from his time covering the Rams, now he gets to still cover Brandon Staley as the head coach of the Chargers. Staley at the time was in the running for the Jets job that Robert Sala got. And now he comes back to talk about one of the other L.A. area teams that he covers. And, of course, the USC Trojans, because we're going to talk about the Jets' second first-round pick, number 14 overall, Elijah Vera Tucker, the offensive lineman, Mr. Ryan Dyrud of the L.A. Football Network. Ryan, thanks so much for coming back on, brother. Scott, man, thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, excited to be back with you. Love talking ball with you. Uh, you know, you obviously have a, a tremendous following because as soon as your episode dropped, you know, with us talking Brandon Staley for an hour or so, uh, it seemed like your your jet contingent was was pretty pumped on him. And then I started getting a little jealous, like, man, if this guy is able to leave LA and go to New York, I'm gonna be kind of bummed. And we got lucky. We got lucky he was able to stick around, and, and the Chargers got a good one. So I'm thrilled with that. But yeah, happy back on the show, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, for Staley, couldn't have worked out better. Didn't even have to relocate his family, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He actually said in his his opening press conference that they were going to move just because the Rams are, you know, far up in North LA and like the, the Thousand Oaks area and the Chargers are down in Orange County. It's, you know, hour and a half or so, but sometimes the LA traffic goes more. So he did say they were going to move, but technically didn't have to. <laughs> yeah, that 405 is no joke. I can tell you that much. Yeah, no, definitely not. Definitely not on a weekday, too. Well, Elijah Vera Tucker's not going to have to worry about that anymore. Now he's got to deal with New York rush hour traffic or New Jersey. I guess it depends on where he ends up settling. It's a long way, though, from where he started out, which is in Oakland, California, at Bishop O'Dowd High School, played offensive tackle and defensive end on the football team, was named to the Under Armour All-American team as a senior four-star recruit, and as you know, Ryan, when you're a highly recruited player out of California, there's a good chance that USC and UCLA are both going to come calling, and they both did. USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon, Arizona, Arizona State, Cal, Washington State, all the big Pac-12 teams came calling, but Elijah Vera Tucker decided to go to USC. What do you remember about this whole process? Because I know at the time Austin Jackson was there and then he was a year behind Austin Jackson in terms of leaving because Austin Jackson was the first round pick for the Dolphins last year. Was there a sense of excitement when he was coming in? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, here's a guy that, you know, 
had a lot of versatility in, in high school and obviously showed that, which we'll get into more at the co- collegiate level, which is what makes him an exciting prospect. But, uh, you know, played guard alongside Aston Jackson. So they, they fortified, you know, that left side. And, you know, it was one of the, I think, perennial, you know, left sides of the offensive line, not only in the Pac-12, but in the country. And we saw Austin Jackson up getting drafted 18th overall to, to Miami. And, um, but yeah, it, there was definitely a lot of excitement about this kid. And, and with USC, the recruiting is always so interesting because it's like you get these, and you know, the year, what, 2019 was actually like a down year. Then this year, mm-hmm. finally, they got back to where they should be, I think, finishing. Uh, right now, they're sitting seventh overall in recruiting in the nation. But usually the guys that are highlighted are, you know, the quarterbacks, the receivers, you know, a lot of people call them wide receiver you now. Uh, they used to be running back you, you know, they get great running backs, they get the good corner safeties. Offensive line doesn't get talked about, but they continually churn out offensive linemen. I mean, even the Jets took Chuma Dogu, you know, in the third round, Chuma Doga, excuse me, in the third round, what, two, three years ago. And, uh, you know, he's just a, a backup kind of a depth piece, but, but a guy that they, you know, was able to go through the USC system and end up, you know, being a uh, NFL player now. And so Elijah Bear Tucker came in actually right after uh, Udoga and, and now is now a jet again. They, they rejoined forces, but, but yeah, there was a lot of excitement to ask your, answer your question about him joining USC and choosing from that long list of Pac-12 schools, but, but made uh, the Trojan his first choice and obviously had a good career at the Trojans uh, had a, you know, a good year this year that we'll get into later too, that at the time wasn't going to happen, but we're certainly glad he did. And uh, yeah, you guys, you guys definitely got a good one though. Elijah Vera Tucker, AVT, as we call him is a, uh, a great, great player, great teammate and someone you guys will be excited to have. Tell me a little bit more about him as a person. You've seen what he's like in terms of personality and what his character is all about. And Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, these are two guys that have preached culture, culture, culture. From everything you hear, he appears to be a perfect fit for what they're looking to build. Being somebody that observed him firsthand, do you believe that to be accurate? Yeah, absolutely. You know, total team guy. Uh, ever since Clay Helton's been the coach at USC, you know, he's got a lot of flack. Obviously they haven't performed the way that, you know, the USC is used to the way that USC should quite frankly, for how they're able to recruit with the facilities they have. But one thing they've never fallen short of since his tenure is, you know, high quality character guys. That's like one thing, one thing that he puts at a forefront in his recruiting is I want guys that are team first. I want guys that, you know, Football is, is yes, that's a passion. That's something that's important to him, but they have other stuff outside of football. Academics are important to him. Family is important to him. So if you look at every guy that's come through this program since Clay Kelton's been the coach, that seems to be, you know, the MO of all these players. You know, Michael Pittman Jr. last year, receiver uh, that got drafted by the Colts. He's a total, like, big team guy, uh, great character off the field. And Elijah Tucker's the exact same way. Uh, you know, when this season was so much in question with COVID, the Pac-12 was the last conference to, you know, come back. He originally had opted out, decided, you know what, I'm going to prepare for the draft after a solid season playing guard. And uh, Clay Helton, among others, were able to convince him. And, he, you know, he said, yeah, I want to come back. And, you know, there's some personal accolades he could get and some personal um, which, you know, and we talked about a little bit off air, the stuff that he could improve his stock, but it's also, you know, the team needed him and they didn't have a left tackle and they were going to be shows how much he cared about not only USC, but his teammates, his brothers, that he's in the trenches with and didn't want to leave them out to dry in a tough year for everyone, not just, you know, football players. And so I think that speaks volumes on the, on the character that he has and what you're going to get, uh, you know, 
joining this New York Jets team that is building a new culture, you know, with a new coach and Robert Sala, who, yeah, I, I, I'm super high on Brandon Staley, glad in LA, but I think Sala was a great hire for you guys. I, you guys, I'm sure, have talked about that extensively, but uh, they're going to be looking to bring, you know, raw, raw guys, guys that are passionate and excited, but also high character, high quality. And, and Elijah Vera Tucker is certainly that. And I think he proved that through his tenure, just what he showed on the field, but what he showed off the field, you know, his, his involvement on campus and the community and, you know, the way he talked to the media uh, when needed, which isn't often for offensive linemen, but, you know, every now and then, and then just for this draft process, uh, you know, high-class guys. So um, he's, a, he's a good cat, you know, go from the second media market to the number one media market. Uh, shouldn't be a huge, huge change of pace for him, but one that uh, I think he'll thrive in. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. There's a fantastic story about how he ended up playing at USC this past year when originally he wasn't supposed to, which you alluded to, and we're going to get into that. In a little bit, but first, I want to talk about his first season really starting for USC because he redshirted his freshman year, had spot duty his redshirt freshman year, and then redshirt sophomore year is really when he started to shine. He was second team all pack 12 as a guard. He had played tackle in high school, but he moved to guard, I assume, because they were already set at tackle at the time. So tell me about what the transition was like for him when he first got going as a starter and then what he was like as a guard because we assume that's the position that he's going to play for the New York Jets. He transitioned to tackle in 2020, but he was a guard in 2019, which was his redshirt sophomore year. What was the transition like and how bumpy was it for him his first full year starting at USC? You know, I, I don't think it was that bumpy. Uh, he came in ready after, you know, having those redshirt seasons and, and being able to kind of sit back and obviously did get some playing time, but wasn't asked to be the starter. And then coming in and being able to play alongside Austin Jackson, who was a great uh, tackle for the USC program and obviously got rewarded by, you know, being drafted in the first round. But, um, you know, I think he thrived pretty early on. He's, he's super, you know, athletic. He, uh, he, he's able to play that guard position just because of his, you know, athletic ability, able to pull his speed, his quickness off the snap, his get off, um, you know, his length of arms, which is why he, a lot of scouts are saying he'll play guard now at the NFL level, just because he doesn't have quite the length uh, the NFL tackles have. Um, but yeah, I think he thrived in it and played very well in it. And uh, you know, the best thing about him that he showed in that, that 2019 season. And then he showed two, in the uh, 2020 season, but you need it almost more as a guard is his ability to get to the second level. I don't think there's a single offensive lineman in this class even that has the ability to get to the second level like Elijah Vera Tucker does. The way he's able to shed those interior, I don't know if you call them blocks here defensemen, but shed the initial defensive line to get to the linebackers to open up holes, you know, so in a zone scheme or whatever, I don't know what the Jets exactly are going to run. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't done extensive research on the Jets offense going forward, but if they do run as a zone scheme, I think he's just going to thrive in that, being able to to move up to that second level. And he he showed that at USC by playing um, guard in 2019. And then at tackle in 2020, he did the same thing. And uh, I think that versatility is what really makes him such a dynamic offensive lineman, such an exciting prospect. And because he did both and because he kind of slowly went into it and proved he didn't have huge growing pains, proved that he could learn on the fly, do different things all at once. I think he has an extremely high floor 
which when you're drafting offensive linemen early on, obviously you want the high ceiling guys, but if you can get a high floor guy that, you know, is not going to, you know, burn out, not going to bust out. And you just know he's going to be a consistent starter for you. Uh, that's like a can't miss guy in my opinion. And I think that's what ABT is. And uh, that's what he proved in 2019. And then that's just what he solidified in 2020. And he almost didn't solidify it in 2020. So let's tell that story, Ryan. Clay Helton, the head coach at USC, who is the man that recruited Elijah Vera Tucker in the first place. He has had many conversations with prospects over the years because, as we know, USC produces a lot of pros. And sometimes he tells them as much as it pains him because he'd love to keep that guy it's time for that person to move on. He said to Sam Darnold, you can stay, but your stock will never be higher. He had a similar conversation with Adoree Jackson, who just signed a massive free agent contract with the New York Giants. But he felt differently about Elijah Vera Tucker because, as he said, Ryan, he had a really nice year as a redshirt sophomore, but it was only one year and it was only a guard. He hadn't showcased what he could do at tackle. Before we get into exactly what happened next, I do want to ask you about the position that USC was going to be in because they lost Austin Jackson to the NFL draft. The Miami Dolphins got him in the first round last year. So USC was counting on moving Elijah Vera Tucker to tackle, but then he decided he was going to opt out because of coronavirus and prepare for the NFL draft. So there must have been a ton of panic around the program at that time because they were counting on this kid to be the answer tackle. Now he was going to be gone and they didn't know what they were going to do. Right. I mean, yeah, there was definitely a concern. I mean, I, I could sit here right now and say, I, I remember at the time, but I can't even remember off the top of my head who actually was slated at the time to be left tackle. Luckily it was. So when the, when the PAC 12 basically canceled right after they canceled, then obviously, you know, Jay Tefelli and Elijah Vera Tucker basically announced, yeah, we're we're going to the NFL draft. Or they maybe announced even right before the Pac-12 canceled. Then the Pac-12 canceled, and it was like, okay, well, it is what it is. And then all of a sudden there's all these talks, and the Big Ten comes back, and so then there's talks, oh, the Pac-12 will be coming back. And so that's when that last week or so before the announcement was made that the Pac-12 wasn't going to come back, that's when there was real concern, like, well, who the hell is going to play left tackle? Who's going to who's gonna block for Keaton Slovis? Who's going to um, do this? And, there, and there's – you know, the, the Trojans now run a very different kind of, you know, pseudo air raid system. So uh, I think there was thoughts that, you know, we can get by with a, you know, lesser talent just because the way we're going to run the offense, we get the ball out quicker, um, which I think, and we can get into that too, that may have been some concern about Elijah Vera Tucker playing in this system. But, uh, but yeah, luckily shortly after the league announced, it was then shortly after that, that ABT said, yeah, you know, I'm coming back and, and you'll maybe get into exactly what swayed his mind. But um, yeah, Jay Tefeli still, you know, he decided to remain and opted out uh, who I think personally, if he came back, he actually would have raised his stock a little bit higher, still got drafted pretty high for not playing um, the entire season. Um, but AVT certainly, I think raised his stock by coming back, but, but yeah, Scott, to answer your question. There was definitely um, people sitting on the edge of your seat, but luckily it wasn't complete, uh, chaos or meltdowns yet just because the the timing of it once the league did announce it was very very shortly after the abt said okay i will come back and play so it wasn't like you know a week before games going like all right i don't know who's blocking for keaton 
Well, they needed somebody to block for him and protect his blind side. And Clay Helton wanted that person to be Elijah Vera Tucker. And he didn't just want him to do it because he knew it would help the team. He felt like it would help Elijah Vera Tucker himself. So he sat down with Senior Associate Athletic Director Brandon Sosna, who used to work in the NFL negotiating contracts, managing the salary cap. And they decided to essentially recruit their own player. They were going to go and convince Elijah Vera Tucker that he should come back to USC. And what they told him was that they had surveyed the landscape. They'd spoken to people in the NFL. They'd spoken to draft experts. And the consensus they'd gotten is that Elijah Vera Tucker was probably going to go somewhere late in the second round. And they told Elijah Vera Tucker that while that's fine, they felt that they could get him to middle of the first round if he were to come back and play offensive tackle at a high level in 2020. And here's exactly what Clay Helton had to say about it. There's situations like this that you know in your heart that a young man has more value out there, and so it's important. You want to be at your highest value when you enter the NFL because nothing is guaranteed. You want your money on the front end, and sometimes that takes additional work and investment in yourself. At the end of the day, to be able to say to Elijah, if I could say to you, I'd give you a one-year, $12 million contract, what would your response be? And for him to say, coach, that's pretty good, then I explained to him, that's the difference between being a mid-first round pick and being a late second round pick. That's a huge difference in money. And are you willing to make the investment in yourself to get yourself there? Because we can do it in the next six or seven games. So he was essentially selling him on, come back to USC, we'll put you a tackle, we'll work with you, and we will take you from this player who is going to get picked in the second round and have a chance to have a good career too. Somebody that can get picked high in the first round, make a lot of money off the top, which is very important because as we know, Ryan, even most of the best prospects don't last all that long in the NFL. It's a collision sport. It's not a contact sport. These are 300-pound men that are just smashing into each other. And then, of course, there's the bust rate. Tons of first-round picks don't even work out in the first place. So you get your money up front. That's very important when you're talking about this sport. So Helton is making this pitch to Elijah Vera Tucker. Very smart pitch. Yeah, (laughs) quite the salesman. And uh, I think that uh, goes into his recruiting prowess and, and why he's a good recruiter. And, you know, he they had the down year two years ago, which was, I think, much more uh, pitted to the uncertainty if he'd be back or not. And then once he was, you know, you know, the, the AD Mike Boone got behind him. We saw the recruiting glass extend this year, but, but yeah, I mean, great pitch. And obviously it couldn't have played out more perfectly to a T AVT getting drafted 14th, right in the middle of the first round. So it <laughs> seems like coach knew what he was talking about. Yeah. And so did Brandon Sosna. Cause here's what he had to say. We all felt after getting the information that we didn't see him going past the second round, but we didn't think he was going to be a first-round pick either, and we thought he was worthy of that. We presented the information not only to Elijah but to his family, both sets of parents, and really gave them some education on not only where he fell, but from a financial standpoint, the difference between being a top 15 pick and being a top 50 pick. And he was probably somewhere in the 50 to 70 range from what we could tell. We didn't see him going past that, but the difference in second round to really competing to getting into the top 20 picks, that's huge. Clay Helton then added, Brandon's done these things in the NFL working with contracts, so his knowledge really helped. 
being able to show Elijah and his family, hey, understand that year in, year out, top 25 picks in the draft have 100% guaranteed money, but everything past that, you start to lose guarantees. And showing him that this is your contract value, but this is your actual contract value at the end of the day. The difference between what the contract is and what the actual guarantees are, that's the key point. So now they're really getting into the nitty gritty with him. They told him about how there's that difference monetarily, but they're explaining the guarantees. But of course, you could go the other way here and say, sure, I could get more guaranteed money if I come back and I play at a really high level of tackle, but I could also come back, play worse, and now my stock drops, or I could come back and get hurt, or I could come back and get sick. No guarantees that way either. So again, Helton having to sell him on this, but there's a definite downside here that had to be considered from Elijah Vera Tucker's perspective. Oh, absolutely. But I think, uh, and yeah, that's, that's very well said and, and a great point of view. And I think a lot of players, you know, wrestle with that. And a lot of them do de- decide to go out maybe before they could have raised their stock for those exact concerns. Like, you know what? I've been doing this all for free. Why'd I go? No matter what, I'm going to get a pretty big bag. I can pay for my family. My, my dad's probably mom and dad probably won't have to work ever again, regardless of where I get drafted. Um, well, okay, not regardless, but you know, if I'm a second round, third round slated guy, I'm going to get upwards in the millions of dollars where I can pay them off. Uh, but I think the the true competitors, and especially someone like Elijah Vera Tucker and and many others, say they they bet on themselves. And you're playing a game where your career can end at any moment, so it doesn't matter if uh, uh, you're in the NFL, if you're in college, if you're in high school. Uh, so you know that going into it, and so that's that risk you take. Okay, if I come back, I risk getting injured, I risk you know losing out on all this money. Um, so that I think would be the thing they'd probably wrestle with the most. Uh, but you know, a true competitor is not going to worry about, I could play worse, right? Like, like Matt Leiner, let's look at him. He won the Heisman decided to come back for his fifth year. He still got drafted 11th overall, but he would be the consensus number one overall pick. If he would have gone out that year before decided to come back drops down 10 spots, you know, obviously it's, it's very uh, relative. It's not a huge drop off, mm-hmm. but still did lose stock by coming back, even though he had a, it still had a very good year. Um, but I think this got you better on yourself. You're saying, you know what? I, I know I can be better. I want to improve. I believe in this coaching staff. And I also goes into, you know, your teammates and your, your brothers in the trenches that you're playing with. And yeah, you're playing for yourself to uh, better your career, make some money, but you're also playing for the guy next to you. And that's why football is the best team sport there is. Uh, it's it, that you do have that camaraderie. You do have that belief. Uh, in the 53 or, you know, in college in the 153 or how many other, how many guys are on the, on the roster. But in uh, USC wanted to prove something after a very down year the year before um, or not, not a huge, yeah. The down year the year before they wanted to prove they'd come out and they, they were behind their coach. They were uh, an improved team. They wanted to battle for a PAC 12 championship, even in a shortened COVID season. And uh, ABT was a, a, you know, a highly touted guy among his teammates and a leader in the locker room. And so he wanted to prove that too. So, uh, it's an interesting paradigm for a lot of these players, an interesting conversation for a lot of these players. Uh, but yeah, it just shows that his coach, you know, had his best interest overall. You could argue, you know, he was looking out to make his team better, but that's kind of what a coach does. And as long as he's not lying to his player, I think he had it out for him and he, he was right. I mean, right. Elijah Terry got drafted 14th overall, so it all worked out. And his family was very involved in the decision, too, because as I said, Clay Helton sat down with both sets of parents, and those were the two sets of parents that he had had to convince about 
Elijah Vera Tucker coming to play for him at USC. And so he sat down with them again. He explained to them everything. He even told them about taking out an insurance policy to protect against injury, which is very smart because it offsets some of what we were just talking about before in terms of the risk. And here's what Helton had to say. My role was specifically to provide Elijah and his family insights into the draft process from someone who's been through it on the other side and educate on how rookie contracts are constructed with respect to the draft position and guaranteed money. Brandon, that's Brandon Sosna, helped with that. It's intuitive for everyone that the higher you get drafted, the more money you make, but there's nuance to the guaranteed dollars, and ultimately, it's the guarantees that are most important. And then Sosna jumped in and said, it's a perfect representation of Elijah's professionalism that he embraced every opportunity to collect more information, gain more perspectives before he made his decision. I think Clay was a remarkable resource for Elijah and his family. I believe they appreciated the information sharing process tremendously. Obviously, we were very excited when Clay eventually got the call that Elijah was going to opt back in from purely a football perspective, but we also had a high degree of confidence that everything we promised him about his draft stock would come true. And I find this to be interesting because it tells you a lot about Elijah Vera Tucker as a person. He easily could have said, nope, I made up my mind, I'm going to the NFL. But what he did was he sat down with his parents. He sat down with his coach. He trusted that they had his best interest at heart, and he was willing to listen to the information and look at everything before he made a decision. He wanted to make the most informed decision that he could. That is very wise beyond his years for a 21-year-old kid, and I think it speaks very highly of his character and of his intelligence. Yeah, well, and I don't think a lot of people talk about it, but offensive linemen are some of the smartest guys in football. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, say what you want about him, the hog mollies up front, the guys in the trenches, but but these are smart dudes, man. They know, uh, you know, tons of different things. They have to know different aspects in you know, the run game, the pass game. Uh, obviously, we already talked about him playing multiple different positions. So knowing, you know, that's it. Everyone talked about that like it's it's normal nowadays. But you know, picture you know wiping your butt with your right hand and wiping with your left hand. Like it's very different motions when you're moving slots down the offensive line. Plus, just obviously your different uh, who you're going to at the second level. If you're taking a outside linebacker, inside linebacker, if a safety dropping down in the box. So they have to be intelligent anyway, and I think that helped in his process. And obviously, he's just a, a mature young man to be able to sit back and say, "Okay, these are the pros, these are the cons. Let me weigh them out." And you know, we could be having a very different conversation if he did get injured that last year, and then we'd be sitting here saying, "Man, you know, he should have he should have just gone and got what he was due and all this." Uh, but you, it's hard; it's not fair to look at it like that because that can happen at any moment. And I think he outweighed that as a a consequence. And he was happy with it, could live with it, but he knew that he had more to give to his team, more to give uh, to future NFL teams to see what he was able to give. And uh, just happy it worked out for the young man because, uh, yeah, he's a great kid, great player, and uh, I think he's going to have a great NFL career. So, um, you know, glad Coach Clay got him back. And obviously USC had a very good year. Uh, unfortunately, weren't able to finish it off against Oregon, but uh, uh, he's going to have a good one in New York. And, uh, you know, stoked for you guys to cover him and watch him all year. They're all career, I should say. And at this point, before they knew that he was coming back, they were on pins and needles waiting to see if he might change his mind. And Clay Helton remembers when he got the phone call informing him that Elijah Vera Tucker had changed his mind and would come back. 
He said that he was the happiest person in life at that moment because he knew not only what it would mean for him, but what it would also mean for the football team. And he says that Elijah Vera Tucker has always been a competitor. And at the end of the day, he had a feeling he would come back because he told him, Coach, I believe I'm a top pick. I want to compete to be a first-round pick. That was always my dream when I came here. And so it was up to Helton to help make that happen. And it was up to Elijah Vera Tucker to help make that happen because he was going to have to go back to tackle a position that he hadn't played since he was in high school. He had been a guard at USC. And then he goes back to tackle and has a fantastic year. And as we said, with this COVID year, anything could have happened. He could have gotten injured. He could have gotten sick, but he was healthy for the regular season and played really, really well. And then I didn't know about this, but this is crazy. In the Pac-12 championship game, he was injured, didn't practice all week, but he still decided that he was going to play. When a lot of these guys were opting out of bowl games or opting out of seasons early because they wanted to go prepare for the draft, which, by the way, I totally understand and I'm all for it if that's what somebody wants to do. But uh-huh. Elijah Vera Tucker decided that even though he was injured, he had a messed up groin, he was not going to let his team or his coach who had all his faith in him down. He was going to be a competitor and he was going to go out there. Now, they lost the game, but still, that tells me a lot because he had millions of dollars potentially riding on this and he still went out there to try and help USC win the game. Says a lot, again, about his character and about what kind of teammate he is. You know, Scott, I'm, I'm all for guys that, you know, opt out of the bowl games or, or championship games uh, just because, you know, they've earned it. You know, they work their asses off to get to a spot uh, to finally finally make some money in what they do. So I, I totally respect it. But but I think there is something to be said about the guys that do put, you know, risk aside and go out there with their teammates and, and play the game. And I'm not, you know, I, I don't want to judge the ones that do, the ones that don't, because I think that I respect both of them. But I just, I just want to speak highly on, you know, the, the fact that ABT did, and you mentioned, you know, you know, being injured, having a, a beat up groin, having to go out there against a, a tough Oregon team that maybe wasn't as, didn't look good as USC record wise, but everyone knows how good Oregon is. Everyone knows how good Mario Cristobal is recruited and, and has been a coach there. So it was going to be a, a hard fought game regardless. And, you know, unfortunately USC as a team just didn't play well. Uh, we don't, we won't get into the game, but they just, they just, as a team did not play well. ABT had a few bad plays, uh, but overall being injured, I thought played very well. If you, if you put the tape on, uh, still showed everything we saw all season. So it wasn't like it was uh, anything different that we saw throughout his career at USC. Um, I know there are a couple of the bad plays that came out during the draft season, and that's why people were questioning maybe how high his draft stock was. Obviously, it didn't matter because we saw what how the draft went down. But, but, yeah, you can't question the heart. And I think sometimes, you know, I talked – we had Frank Smith, the uh, Chargers offensive line coach on our show, uh, just uh, I guess a couple months now, and he said – the number one trait they look for in offensive linemen is heart and passion because all these guys are talented. They all have size. They all have strength. Yeah. Some are a little stronger, a little bigger than others. But when you look at there's, there's 80 offensive linemen that that can play talent wise. Like they're, they're all built in a similar fashion, but they all, they all don't have heart. They all don't have passion and they all don't have love for the game. And that's what you can't coach. And so I think that's what this shows what ABT has is that he not only has passion love for the game, but passion love for his teammates, um, which is huge. And I think that's that's lost sometimes in the NFL, unfortunately, now with all the, you know, all the money and contracts and big stuff. And so that gets kind of 
you know, it's, there's not a lot of loyalty and not a lot of love uh, that we've seen in past. And that's nothing against the players It's a different game we live in. But when you can get guys that still have that love and passion, and if it's displayed in the guy that is injured going into his final collegiate game, they really want to have a lot of, you know, meaning in his future career, but still plays in it. I think that speaks, speaks volumes, speaks highly on a kid. And I think that honestly played a factor into why he still got drafted so high, Mm -hmm. just because I think scouts, GMs, people that met with him on zoom meetings could see that probably ask him about that game, find out that he did play through injury and said, shit, I want this kid on my team. Like this is a guy that's going to play for us no matter what. And is going to put this everything on the line. And uh, that's, you can't ask for more from any player, but especially an offensive lineman where, Mm -hmm. You know, those guys are getting beat up, man. Ultimately, he made the right decision. Those six games and the versatility that he showed by being able to play left tackle is what helped elevate him from a second-round prospect to the number 14 overall pick in the draft, just like Clay Helton said it would. And you have to credit Elijah Vera Tucker because he made an informed decision and he went back and he did what he needed to do and he eventually was able to lift his stock to the point where the Jets traded up from number 23 to number 14 to get him. And again, this shows his decision-making and his character and I think these are things that are going to serve him very well here with the New York Jets. Also a team leader, clearly, being willing to play through that terrible injury when he absolutely did not have to do that. He had already cemented his status. He wanted to do it to help lift the team. So a hell of a player that the Jets are getting, but a hell of a person as well. Ryan Dyrud of the LA Football Network, really appreciate you coming on, brother. Thank you so much for helping me get to know what Jets fans should be expecting from not just the player, Elijah Vera Tucker, but more importantly, the person that's coming here. It's going to be a little bit of a culture shock because he's from L.A. It's a little more laid back out there. Here in New York, it's a little rougher, so he'll have to deal with that. But clearly, he's had plenty of media presence and plenty of practice dealing with reporters because L.A. is the second biggest media market in the world, so it's not like he's coming from Topeka, Kansas, right? Yeah, I'd be uh, I'd be a little more concerned about Zach Wilson's culture sock coming from Provo, Utah, and <laughs> the Navy Tees. Uh, I think it is a different beast media-wise, New York to LA, but USC man is and and the scrutiny they've been under. Uh, you know, he'll he won't it won't be any different going from USC to New York. Uh, but yeah, I, I wish the best of luck to uh to Zach Wilson because that's gonna be that's gonna be the culture shock right there. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot of fun this year with Zach Wilson and Elijah Vera Tucker blocking for him. Hopefully, yeah. knock on wood, it'll be the beginning of a new era of Jets football, an era that many of us have been waiting for for a really long time. Ryan, before you run, why don't you let everybody know how they can check out the LA Football Network. You cover USC, UCLA, the Chargers, the Rams. That is a lot of work. It's hard enough for me to cover this one team. For you to do four, wow. Yeah, man, it's, you know, it's fun. It's a blast. You know, first, Scott, I got to say, I've, and I'm not saying this to my horn, but I've been, I've been on quite a few shows, and you, by far, my friend, do, like, the most research of anyone I've ever been a guest <laughs> on. So, you know, hats off to you. Kudos to you. I feel like I come on here to talk about the teams I cover, and I learn things from you because <laughs> of the research you put in, the work you put in. Um, so that's appreciated. Keep that up. Um, as far as for me, uh, you know, if you guys do want to check out anything about LA football or any recruits or, or prospects that come your way. Uh, our website's just lafbnetwork.com. All the Twitter handles or all the social media handles are LAFB network. Real easy to find. Uh, we're on YouTube. We're on uh, all, you know, podcast platforms. And then myself is just Ryan 
Dirude LAFB. So yeah, as Scott said, we cover all the teams, try to uh, have a fun uh, perspective on it and also, you know, give some uh, merchandise. We actually just partnered with Demetric Felton and creating a shirt. We're partnering with uh, some other Rams and Chargers players also creating some merchandise. So so there's some fun things out here in LA. So, but Scott, appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you coming on and everybody should go check out what you're doing because not only is it good to be able to have a depth of knowledge around the NFL with the Chargers and Rams, but more importantly, if you're a Jets fan, plenty of top-notch prospects as we've seen over the years from USC and UCLA sometimes, not as much as USC lately at least, but there are plenty of players to keep your eye on and Ryan is covering them all year long at the LA Football Network. And we, of course, are covering the Jets all year long at playlikeajet.com and on our YouTube channel. We've got some great film breakdowns right now. Oh my goodness, the film breakdown that Luke Grant did of Elijah Moore. You have to watch it if you haven't yet. Incredible stuff. I was saying to Luke that the comparison that people are making to Steve Smith is a really good one. We also talked about Antonio Brown, but with better speed. Maybe if you took Antonio Brown and fused him with Deshaun Jackson, he's got to go out there and prove it, but he is a special talent. And if you really want to see why, check out the film breakdown that Luke did of him on our YouTube channel. And make sure that you give us a five-star review on iTunes if you haven't done that yet. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.